0: Romans chapter number 15 is our text once again and we will read beginning in verse number 4 which was the subject of our sermon last Lord's Day. Romans 15 verse 4 says for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Here's the subject this morning, verses 5 and 6, and if if think about that hymn that we we sang this morning, the very first one before Brother J.T. spoke, one with God, or three of the words that were in that hymn that we sang this morning, and think about that as we read these other two verses. Verse number 5 says, now the God of patience, I want you to catch that, the God of patience, Not just that God is patience. Not that he's been patient with us, which he has. God is long-suffering, isn't he? Towards us who believe. But he is the God of patience. Don't you find that in other, other places in Scripture where he's the God of things? Here he's the God of patience and he's the God of consolation. Yeah. Talk about praying and letting your requests be made known unto the Lord and a peace that passes understanding. Where does that come from? Where does that kind of peace come from? He's the God of peace, isn't he? Scripture calls him the God of peace as well. But here, God of patience and consolation. Now, he's of these things, right? He's the God of patience and he's the God of consolation. And look at the very next word. What's the next word? Grant. Grant. He has these things. He is these things, and he grants these things. Now, Brother JT's already touched on it this morning. The reason we know and understand the things that we do is because God's granted these things to us. We wouldn't know them otherwise. We'd not understand them otherwise. So God grants these things. So the God of patience, consolation, grant you to be... Now, we spent the whole of chapter 14... Really, in essence, we throw it into one word. I know you might. The word. What's the word that's going to come to your mind? In in chapter fourteen, okay. Somebody else. Hmm. I want to say we learned that not to be into yourself. Okay. All right. Let me put that in one word for you. Okay. Well, I knew that was coming. That's why I wanted to, I wanted somebody to say it because that's not what I'm looking for. Okay, It is true, but what is the one word that sums up everything that we are commanded in Scripture? Hmm? Love. Like. Love one another. You'll, you'll be unified then if you love one another. Um, you know, love. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's all, it's all summed up in that one word. How are you going to love? Now, that's, that's I got you on the track of love. How are you going to do that? How are you going to be like-minded with Christ? God's going to have to grant it. It comes from Him, right? So if it comes from Him, then what do you and I need to be doing? Ask Him for it. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. How does God give? He gives liberally, abundantly. He's not miserly, you know, with it. He gives liberally, right? So let him ask. So, Lord, I, I have need of patience. You remember the woman I told you about who went up to the preacher and said, I need you to pray for me that I might have patience. And the preacher prays for her right there. What? Lord, send this dear sister. Tribulation For tribulation worketh patience, right? Okay. But do we need to fear asking God for anything? No. He's only ever going to give us what is good, what is right, and give that in... If Brother Bruce and I were asking for the same thing, right? Maybe we're asking the Lord for patience. The scripture says tribulation worketh patience. Well, what if my trial... Is lighter than Brother Bruce's trial. I might not be in the same place, Brother Bruce is, right? Yeah. The Lord knows. He gives it, He gives it in degrees what we need, doesn't he? He knows us intimately. He knows what we need. He's sovereign. He knows what we need. So he and, and he may leave Brother Bruce in a more severe trial less time than I'm in a less severe trial for more time. You know, he's even watching how long? We're in those things. He knows. He knows exactly what we need when we need it. So we don't need to fear to ask the Lord for anything, but He grants these things, so we do need to be asking Him for them, don't we? Grant you that you be like-minded one toward another. Well, if I'm going to be like-minded towards my brethren, what do I need to do? I need to ask the Lord to help me to be like-minded. Lord, grant that I would be like-minded. Right? One toward another according to Christ Jesus. Well, What are we talking about there, according to Christ Jesus? Well, we can hearken back to verse number three, can't we? What did verse number three say? Verse number three said, even as Christ pleased not himself. Be like-minded. If We're going to be like-minded, we can't please ourselves. But it says here, according to Christ Jesus. Well, the Lord didn't regard himself. That you may be with one mind and one mouth, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something else, that we might be one. That's, that's all about the like mind, and that's all about the unity, that's all about love. We go back to the, trace it back to the very thing we were talking about. It's all about those things, that we may be one, one mouth, one mind, glorifying God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we want to speak about a little bit this morning. And I don't I forget exactly how Brother JT put it this morning, but he said something about you know, he went back and covered some ground he's covered before, right? He said it's something I don't remember how you put it, brother, but said something along the lines of don't feel like I covered it, you know, like I wanted to the first time. Y'all'd be in trouble if I did that with everything I preached. Because <laughs> I feel that way about most all of it. <laughs> and so that's why what we stand up here We've been thinking about these things all week. Right, Brother JT? I'm not dependent upon my ability to get it across to you. I'm dependent upon the Lord. So, here a little, there a little, right? Precept upon precept. Line upon line, right? Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Bruce, would you pray for us? Yes. Thank Amen. Amen. Maybe seated. Well, that's a Brother Barney Bryant word, right? Um, I'm not one for New Year's resolutions, but I hear a lot of people talking about it in this time of the year, don't you? Um, but if you are one for those things, then the text that is before us Here's a resolution for you. Lord, grant these things. Grant these things unto me. Um, these things that are mentioned here in these verses. Um, better thing than to resolve to lose weight, right? Which, you know, I know I could do. I, I, could, I could lose some weight. You know, there's no doubt about that. Um, but, um, if I'm going to lose some weight, spiritually speaking, what are you going to do? Let us lay aside hmm, yeah. Let us lay aside sin, what kind of sin, sin that so easily besets us, right? Let us lay aside those things. Um, think about uh, exercise. First Timothy four says, "Bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness." I mean, I, I don't know about you, but right now, I'm, I, have you been seeing any any uh, commercials on TV for, for uh, fitness centers? Hmm? I have. Don't you think that's just a little bit coincidental? Because there's a whole lot of people right now that have ate a little bit too much turkey and pumpkin pie. And so they're thinking about, I need to lose some weight. Here's the advertisement. $10 a month. You can join, uh, what is it, Planet Fitness? I don't know. That's the one I keep seeing. But anyway... Bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now, let us fix our thoughts upon those things, right? Upon things above. Uh, I'm not saying that bodily exercise, I, I got chastised one time by a brother. He said it doesn't say that it doesn't profit any. It says it, doesn't, it profits little, you know prophets little. Of course, this guy was a Marine that said this to me, you know, and he gets up every morning and runs, I don't know how many miles, more than I even think about running, I can tell you that. Um, But here we have in this text this idea of one. Now we talked about if we're going to be one, it's going to be because of love, and we know it's got to be that God grants you know, that um, to us, but if we're going to glorify God and live unto Him in all that we say and do, because here's this idea of glorifying God, right? One mind, one mouth, glorifying God. If we're going to do that, then we must be one with Him. Did our Lord not pray for this? I mean, you think about this idea of one. We, we sang that hymn first thing this morning. It wasn't, you know, by mistake. I mean, that the Lord put that... That hymn upon my mind as I'm thinking about these things. One with Him. I didn't even remember the, the the title to the hymn. I just remember those words. I'm like, that's in a hymn somewhere. One with Him. I got to find that. So I looked it up, and sure enough, that's you know there is the hymn. One with Him. Um, but in you can turn there with me if you want to. John 17. That's where we find the Lord praying this very thing, don't we? We find the Lord saying these very words. Um, so, John seventeen twenty one. the Lord says this, that they, and this is a prayer, right? The Lord's praying here, isn't He? Well, I want you to think just for a moment upon what we read out of Romans 15. And I, I want you to think about the idea of prayer, okay? So, Paul's been saying all these things unto us, at, and listen as we begin reading you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave John 17 for a second. I'm gonna go back to Romans 15. But listen as I begin reading this, right? So I'm going to re- start reading in verse number 5. We've already read through it. Verse 5, Paul says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you. What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like a prayer? Hmm? Sounds like a prayer, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, his desire is that, that that would be true of us. And we find that in other places, don't we? Paul talks about, for this cause I bow the knee, right? So here we find Paul saying, now the God of patience and consolation grant you that you be like-minded one toward another. So here in this, in this place in John 17, we find the Lord praying, verse 21, it says, that they all may be one, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Isn't that amazing to think about? I mean, it's one thing for us to think about the Trinity. We think about the three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Three in one, one in three, right? God in three persons, blessed Trinity. There, but there, there's, there's no division there, is there? I mean, there is a oneness Right? And Paul is praying here that we might. We might share that. We might possess that. We might have that oneness that the Lord is praying for us here. They may be as one, Father, as thou art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world, this this oneness, think about what he's saying here. That they may be one in us what the Lord's saying, He says, that the world, this oneness, what the result of this oneness, one of the results of this oneness would be this, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I was listening to a message this week, and the, 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 the I've been listening to a lot of messages on Romans 14, but the pastor was talking about, can you imagine in this day, the early church, there they are in Rome, and some Roman citizens asking, what are these people, what's the problem, those people that are gathered, they're supposed to be gathered together, you know, what's the the problem between them? Well, one of them can eat meat, and one of them can't eat meat, and they're all fussing and bickering and fighting over it. Well, I'm not interested in having anything to do with that. You know, he might think to himself, but what if on the other hand, he saw that there were people, you know, from this walk of life, and there are people from that walk of life, and there are Gentiles who they they used to they used to have this meat sacrificed to idols and Here's the Jew over here that don't have anything to do with that either, or maybe it's the 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 fact that there's 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 a meat that he would have regarded as unclean that he did and yet there's not bickering and there's not strife and there's not envy, and there's not you know railing and dissension and division uh, or derision, you know, even. But he looks upon that scene and he sees, though there's not uniformity, there's still unity and there's love that exists and that there's people that are willing to forego a liberty that they have in order that those who do not have that liberty wouldn't suffer, you know. Um, you think that might be a little more attractive? <laughs> the, the 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 second uh, picture there. Um, And that has to do with oneness, doesn't it? I mean, that those that are stronger would bear with the weak, right? There's a oneness. Um, Do you not bear with your own body when part of it is injured? Hmm? You know, when when part of your body is suffering, you know, do you not bear with it? Is that not what we were told in Romans 14, that those of you who are strong ought to bear with the weak, right? So when there's part of our body that's suffering, we certainly bear with it. Um, if my wife is suffering, I bear with her. My children are suffering, I bear with them. Maybe they're having, they're, 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 I've, I've borne with them in other ways too, you know, not just when they're physically ill, you know, but when they've got some thoughts in their minds that you know, aren't lining up, you know, with the way they ought to. And I've had to bear with them and try to help them to understand, help them to see, uh, and pray for them that they might come to an understanding because. We know who grants that? It's not going to be because I've, I've, I have argued with them until I'm blue in the face. You know No, it's because God grants, right? God grants. Um, Anna and I are reading I don't know if any of you've ever read this book before, but, but uh, and I'm going to refer to it later' is the reason I'm bringing it up now, but we're reading right now about and he, he died. I think Anna was it last year he died. Did he died last year? Or was it the year before because now we're in, was it in 2022? Okay. So I don't even remember Andrew's last name. But it's caused confusion in the house because I could say Brother Andrew. And Cheryl immediately thinks I'm talking about this one over here, you know. That's um, their Brother Andrew, you know. But um, Brother Andrew, God's smuggler. Y'all seen that book before? Have you read that book before, Brother Bruce? Yeah. If you hadn't read it and you're looking for something to read, it's very interesting. He died last year? died last year, yeah, yeah. So here he's coming into, I can't remember if it's Czechoslovakia or he's coming into Yugoslavia or he's coming into Russia or, or where, Romania. I'm not sure. Where, went to all those places where it was. But he's got this blue Volkswagen that's full of Bibles. And he's coming to a checkpoint. and. You are not supposed to go in there with any of that literature. The Communist Party is much against that, right? One is, too many. One is too many. Yes, absolutely. He did not want to rely upon himself and being able to distract or to reason away or whatever with the person that's at the checkpoint. So like Brother Jerry says, he prays. He prays. The smuggler's prayer is what he called it. Um, and so he said, Lord, in Scripture... I read where you 've opened blind eyes, will you and cause them to see? will you now cause those eyes that can see not to be able to see, and so he pulls Bibles out of his the places that he 's hid them and puts them right on the seat in broad daylight for all to see and he 's like if i 'm going to make it through it 's going to be the power of God, and he does, and it happens over and over again, you know so it 's it 's very, very interesting. Um, But you think about, uh, the reason why it came to mind is because of God granting, God grants. And here this man was petitioning the Lord, he's he's like, in one place he put it this way, he says, Lord, I have your word for your children who are in great need. I mean, there were churches that he would go to and, and he would be asked to preach, and they didn't know he was coming, but they saw a foreigner there, and they just asked him to bring, you know, greetings from a foreign land, you know. And he would be in churches where people were holding up a copy of God's Word, and there are people gathered all around them, and, and, and they're all squinting their eyes and trying to read from that same copy of Scripture because it is so scarce. There aren't multiple copies. There's just one here and one there. You know, you know Brother Bruce prays about the privilege that we have. You start thinking in terms of that kind of stuff, and what we've read about, you know, like in that, we're talking about that particular book, and you begin to think about the privilege that we have. I mean, I I leave this one here, you know? I mean, this is the one that I use, mostly because it's a paragraph style, I like a paragraph, I don't don't like double columns on my page. Um, I'll, I'll preach from one if I have to, but I'd prefer to have one in paragraph form, and so when I'm preaching, I like to have a paragraph form Bible, and that's why I keep this one here. But how many more Bibles do I have at home? You know, um, How many Bibles do you have now, Lydia? I don't know. Do you, do you know how many Bibles you have? Hmm? Five, you said? Okay. Yeah. You may be forgetting some of the little ones that we used to take to the camp meetings. I don't know. But five Bibles, 14 years old. There are 14-year-old children, you know, in some of those places that have never even seen one. You know, and she's got five. So, <clears throat> again, you know, here's this granding, but also don't miss, don't miss this. And you'll see it later whenever I bring it up at, at, at the end of the sermon, because I'm going to come back to him. But think about the oneness. Okay, this oneness that we're talking about, that we're reading about here in John 17. You think about that here. This man, because there was part of the body that was suffering in a foreign land. I mean, no doubt the Lord laid it upon his heart to do these things and go these places. But there's part of the body that's suffering. And he wanted to go and console that part of the body. There's part of the body that didn't have the comfort of... We read that that fourth verse, right? The comfort of the Scriptures. There was part of the body that didn't have the comfort of the Scriptures. He wanted to get the Scripture to them in their language so that they would have it. The Lord laid that upon His heart to do. So there's this oneness. And whenever He would get there and they would ask Him to speak, they were encouraged. The people were encouraged. Why? Because here's another part of the body... Over here, that came from a foreign land unto us. And not just that we know there's other Christians out there, but there's Christians that care about us, that are concerned for us, that are praying for us. You know? I mean, that's what those people felt as they were listening to him preach unto them. But the Lord says here that they may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 22 says, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Think about that. We have it in our text, right? That we may glorify one mind and one mouth. That we may glorify our Father, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one. That's that's a glory, isn't it? I mean, what a glory that we may be one. That's a glory. Even as we are one. I in them. And we begin up there reading, you know, in, in, in verse 21, that they may be one even, you know, as thou art in me, Father, and I in thee. But then we get down here in verse number 23. I in them. It's Christ in you that's what? Hope of glory, right? I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me and hast loved them as Thou hast loved me. Father, I will. Did y'all read that that I sent you this morning? Some of this that we're talking about today was kind of contained, you know, in there. Father, I will that they also, whom Thou hast given me, be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me from before the foundation of the world. But we have this idea here of this oneness, right? 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, But he that is joined unto the Lord, can anybody finish that? is one spirit. He that is joined to the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6.17, is one spirit. Spirit, we are one with Him. How one do you feel this morning? Could we feel more one than we feel right now? Could we be praying that we might know more of this being one than we have heretofore known? I hope so. Yes, yes. We've received the, what of our inheritance? Ernest. Earnest. Earnest. We have so little. We have so. It's a lot. It is. It is grand and it is glorious. I'm not saying that, but let me just throw out there in front of you this morning again. You have received a small taste. It's a foretaste. The hymn writer knew what he was saying when he said a foretaste of glory divine, right? Of glory divine. You think about these these troubles, Brother J.T. was talking about, these trials and these tribulations and these troubles that we go through. The Bible gives a comparison. What does the Bible say about that? Momentary light afflictions when compared to what? The eternal weight of glory. That's why I'm saying it's a little bit. You've been been given a taste. You've been given a little bit compared to and, and I, I mean, it, it fills our vision, doesn't it? This little bit that we've been given. I mean, this book. I mean, this. The, we we will we will spend all of our lives just here upon this. And and what does the scripture say about the books that could be written? The world couldn't contain them. I mean, the glory that is to be revealed is 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 far beyond. Um, you know, Paul said, "I saw things I, I can't even repeat. I was caught up into the third heaven." You know. Uh, I, 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 can't even, I can't even give you a reference point that I saw. I mean, it's just too, too much, too glorious. <clears throat> that we might be one with Him. That we might be with Him where He is. That we might behold His glory. That we might behold His glory. One with Him. Are we joined with Him? One of my favorite passages is found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And you don't even have to turn there. You probably know what that passage says, right? Trust hmm, in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not upon thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct thy path. Can can we, can we put this idea of one in there? One with Him? Lord, I'm Yours. I belong to You. On one hand, do with me what You will. Do with my life what You will. Here, on the other part of our, our experience, Lord, I don't know what to do here, but I want to glorify You. Lord, I'm not sure what to do in this situation, but I want to honor You. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path, right? I mean, there's a oneness there. What did the Lord say? I must always be about what? My father's business, right? Is that us? Is there such a oneness within us that we are always about our father's business? There was a new framing crew that was putting a house up Now, some places I could work, I could get in trouble for this, but not where I work right now, okay? So this man, I got on the job site, and he was joking with me. He said, where's the Cokes? Did you bring us any Cokes? And I was like, I don't usually bring anybody Cokes, you know? I'm not even supposed to drink them myself, you know? But he was joking around with me. I said, you know what, okay. I went to the store, and I bought two cases of Cokes. And it's a whole Hispanic crew. And I took a wad of Spanish tracks. And you know that little handle and those canned Cokes? Stuffed it right in there. Well, when they started dispensing those Cokes, you know, there's going to be a track that's going to come out eventually. And they're, what is this? I mean, and who in the Coca-Cola plant, you know, stuck that in there, you know? Um, <laughs> how did that make its way in there? Um you know what's what we're saying I mean one with him, Lord, I want to glorify your name. I can't communicate with these men. I can't speak their language, but I have a tract that's in Spanish, you know and didn't just stick it in there, right Lord Grant, right? Lord grant that these men would would find these. First of all, that would find these at such a time that their supervisor wouldn't care that they read it, or they would stick them in their pockets and take them home and not forget that they have them, but grant that they would read them and they would understand them and they would come to know you. you know God grants those things, doesn't he? Well he's talking about God grants these things, right? I mean he's sovereign over these things, isn't he? You know God grant that they would. If you leave some of those things at the hospital, Brother Jerry, I don't know. I know we've done those things before. God grant that the person who needs to read this would pick it up. God grant that as I go in the hospital day that I might... In, in, think about Brother Andrew. I mean, he goes into a foreign country, has no contacts. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. But he goes in some of these places, has no contact whatsoever. Lord, put me in contact with the right person. Or he goes in having sent a letter to a, the only person from a Bible society that he knew was a person that ordered Bibles behind the Iron Curtain there, and he sends a letter that one day, you know, there may be a man from, from the Dutchman that may visit, you know, you in, in Yugoslavia. Well, what does the Lord do? I mean, he's praying that, that he might be able to come into this place and find this man, right? And it's dangerous for this man to be found, and so the day that he arrives, the letter arrives. you remember that in the book? The day that he arrives, the letter arrives, and this man had moved. So it had taken a while to get there because it went to the address where he was before, and somebody had to figure that out and send it to the address where he... I mean, the forwarding mail back then wasn't what it is today. So the letter arrives the day that he arrives. And so the man's like, well, uh, what should I do? And he just feels this burden to go to his old address and as he's walking down the sidewalk guess what pulls up brother andrew in his little blue volkswagen and as he gets out of the car the man's there and he knows immediately from the license place this is the guy and it was sent you know weeks before it was sent it may have been months before i can't remember and i just read it but but uh, amazing isn't it not really Andrew asked that the Lord would grant that, and the Lord did it. And he saw the Lord do that over and over and over again, so many different ways. He saw the Lord do that. Why does such texts as trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him and direct your paths, why does such text like that speak to us? Why does it mean anything to you? Because God's granted that it would, right? Why does it stir us? Because God's granted that it would. Why does it stir us to look to the Lord not depend upon ourselves, but to lean upon Him, right? Not to look in, at our own wisdom, our own strength, uh, but to depend upon the Lord. You yeah, know, I was thinking about that this week. Actually, it was yesterday. <clears throat> strength. And I know this is something that Donnie thinks about because he said it, you know, many times before in regards to not, not our strength. We Don't rely upon your own strength. Now, that's a poor standing, but rely upon the Lord, trust in the Lord, be strong in the Lord. <clears throat> so you, 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 if you think about without him, apart from Christ, what can we do? Nothing. Nothing. But through him, mm-hmm. we can do all things, all things. Well, I mean, again, this oneness, that's where we live. Lord, I can't do anything. But in you, there's nothing shall be impossible. You are God. Nothing shall be impossible with you. So, verse 5 of our text speaks about our being like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus. Now, we don't have this here, I don't think. But if we did have it here, where there was someone that was just kind of belligerent, you know they were they they were they are kind of full of themselves, maybe kind of I mean, as far as being one, you know there wasn't much oneness you know there. Um, what are we going to do, Lord Grant that that brother or sister would be like-minded to be so one that all of us would be so one, Cohen, that we would rejoice with each other when there was something to rejoice in. You know, if the Lord tarries one day, some young lady may catch Cohen's eye. Cohen's like, Pfft. don't even think about that. You know, I got other things on my mind. Well, you know, I know his mama's thinking, Lord grant that'd be so. <laughs> well, he, he, finds, he finds some godly young woman that he can run the race with, right? that he could run the race with. They can run together. I mean, you, you think about Andrew. Those of you who've read the book, you remember he prayed for a wife. You remember? And, and, and the Lord gave him an answer that was like, that's not going to be a part of your life. And so he's like, oh, Lord, I, I really want to have a wife. And So he prays again, and the Lord gives him the exact same answer, same verse of Scripture, gives it to him. And he's like, Lord, Paul prayed three times. And I'm going to pray a third time. And if, and, if, and if you give me the same answer, you'll never hear it again. I'll never bring it up again. And third time, there was some hope that the Lord would grant unto him a wife. And then he gets to the place where he finds this young lady who's caught his eye. Right? And he's like, what do I have to offer her? A life where I'm going to be gone for months at a time. There's not going to be any communication, you know, to speak of. She's not going to know if I'm going to return. And when I get back and the things that have happened, the people that I've talked to, she can't speak about it. Everything's got to be shrouded in secrecy because it would mean the very lives of those people in those places. Who would want to marry that, Lord? I don't have much by the way of worldly possessions. You know, I mean, who's going to want to marry me? person at a heart. The same things that that man had a heart for, right? That that had a heart. That though she was at home and he was in the mission field, that her heart was there with him. That when it was time for him to go and he didn't want to leave her, that she's like, "Go! This is the this is this is the Father's business. We must be about the Father. You must go. You know, you must go and be about the Father's business." But there may be a young lady that catches Cohen's eye one day. And we'll be able to rejoice with him. Who's rejoicing? Well, what if that person that rejoices is a person that's not married? And is one of the same thing that Cohen's found, though Cohen wasn't looking for it. Right? The expression on Cohen's face, I don't think he's looking for it. And there's this other person that's been looking for it. The oneness. Rejoicing. Even though I don't have that... I understand God's in control of this. You know And, and if I'm if married Rebecca, Andrew, Anna, Lydia, Cohen, if I'm married or not married, you know, God knows my heart, but that's in His power. That's in His control. That's under the realm of His sovereign purposes, in all things. I certainly don't want to marry the wrong person. I don't want to marry the wrong person and be... I mean, I pray for a man you don't know him. A man that I spoke to this week. And I uh, hadn't spoken to him in a while. There's been some changes in, in our, our workplace where it, we hadn't communicated in a while, but something happened that I needed to communicate with him. It's been months. And while I'm talking to him and asking him how his family is, he said... Um, he said, before I finish with what I'm about to tell you, so I'm, I'm going to be in tears. And I said, okay. I said, what's going on? And He said, well, I know you're a pastor. He said, so I'm glad you called because I need somebody to talk to. You. But long story short, terrible divorce that he's going through. Terrible divorce. Um, and um, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want it at all. Uh, she wants it with every fiber of her being, it seems. Um, so, even so, right? Far as he understood, I mean, she went to church and she she knew the Lord, and and he's seeing it totally. This is years later. There's three children. Years later, he's seeing things that he had he never saw initially, and um, doesn't understand. And his hope is that the Lord would grant. Yes. However long it takes that the Lord would grant that he would have his wife back again, he knows he knows that this it seems you know it's, it's like I think next this this week this this coming week, one day, this week the the papers are supposed to be signed, you know, um, but be in prayer for him because he's he's hoping that even now the Lord would change that, but he even looks beyond that he's like, look if the Lord permits this, I'm looking to the Lord to bring her back, bring her back, you know." So you see his heart, you know, there. Um, He's not just washing his hands of the whole affair. Uh, He's asking the Lord to to grant that that, um, he would be given her back again. So we weep with those who weep, right? We weep with those who weep. Um, My heart was broken for him. Um, But he also recognizes that God's at work even in this. Even in this great sorrow that he's going through, God's working. I asked him, I said, how's your prayer life? He says, I, I'm, I've never been so close, it seems, to the Lord as I am right now. Um, so here I am listening to him. Uh, not just that, I mean, was your heart not drawn out this morning? Was your heart not broken this morning as Brother J.T. described his own children? There were tears in my eyes, thinking about that, and saying, Lord, grant it. You know, might those children, brother, come up to you and say, Dad, I've known all these things, but now I know these things. <laughs> the Lord's opened my eyes to be able to see these things. May the Lord grant it even to be so I mean, you think about any good that you have, any good that you are. Where'd that come from? Came from God. Every good and perfect gift, right, cometh down from the Father of lights. Within there's there's no there's no there's no turning. There's no no shadow of turning. Even the Scripture says. Let me read it to you because I paraphrased it there. But James one seventeen, every good gift and every perfect gift is from Above, And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. He granted. Dad was raised, same household, you know, with a bunch of other girls. They sat on the same pew, heard the same sermons. Some of them served the Lord, and some of them did not, do not. God grants, doesn't He? I mean, Job said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But if we read the devotional this morning that I'd sent out to you, then you read that this God is a God of hope. I read some things to you, or quoted some things to you, that God is God of peace. That He's a God here in our text of patience. He's a God of consolation. God is love even. Not the kind of love the world thinks about. But like I heard described recently, it is a hot, holy, burning, intense love. I asked Brother Don Johnson, I think it was him one time, he was sitting right there, and I said, Brother, what would it be like for the Lord to just open up and shower down upon you all of his love in an instant. He said, I would melt. I wouldn't be able to stand before it. Right? He's a God of hope. It is God who generates. Where's this hope? Sister Shelby, you got any hope? Do you have any hope? You have a hope? Neither you got any hope? Yeah? Anna, got any hope? Hmm? You have any hope? My wife, you have any hope? What kind of hope is this hope? Hope worth holding on to, yeah. It's not a, well, that might happen. No, not this kind of hope. I hope that's so. No, not this kind of hope. This hope is steadfast, this hope is sure, this hope is certain. This certainly will come to pass, this hope that we have in Scripture, this, this hope that we have worth holding on to. The Lord is coming again. He will return. There is no doubt about it. The disciples stood there and the angel said, what do you men of Galilee do looking up into heaven? This same Lord shall return in the way you've seen him go. You know, he's going to come in the clouds of heaven. There's going to be, I don't think I've ever, I know I haven't ever heard a sound such as that. You know? Sound of a trump. Voice of an archangel. I mean, you talk about peal of thunder. I mean, we've heard some pretty loud thunder before, haven't we? Make you jump out of your skin. But nothing like this. I mean, the dead are going to rise at the sound of this. Right? So, this God generates hope in us. It's not we that generate it. I'm not a hope generator. I don't generate hope in me or in Brother Donnie. You know? If there's any hope generated anything that I say in Brother Donnie, it's because it came from God's Word, and God did that. God granted him to have that hope. One man said, Of this hope, He said, hope, endurance, encouragement, and peace are not commodities outside of ourselves, right? There's a sense in which they are. They could be outside of ourselves. We don't have them. They're outside of ourselves. But he's saying they're not outside of ourselves. Rather, in giving us himself, dwelling in our hearts by his spirit, this hope he's talking about dwells within us. It's not something that's outside of us. As Christians, this hope dwells within us. It's not something that we merely just look at and observe, but it's something that dwells within. This hope dwells within us. So he says, rather in giving us himself, dwelling in our hearts by his spirit, God gives us all these things which well up from inside. Right? Didn't the Lord speak of it that way? That it would be that within us, would well up from within. You know, it's not something outside of us; it's something within us. He keeps us by what? His power within us, working with us. What kind of power? Same kind of power that raised Christ from the dead. Same power that raised Christ from the dead is in operation in you at this very moment. Is the very power that caused you to see the hope that there is in Christ, right? Raised you from the dead, as it were. Caused you to be born again. He is the object of our hope, to be sure, but He dwells within. It's not just something we look at without. It is within. Jeremiah 32, thinking about the Lord praying there, you know, in in John 17. Here in Jeremiah 32, we read this, verse 38. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them... What kind of heart? Hmm? A new heart? Okay, not, not, not what Jeremiah says there. What kind of heart? What have we been talking about? Being what? One. one. I will give them one heart. One heart. Well, what's that like? The mind, the mind of Christ. Brother Bruce and I, first time we met, we're able to rejoice in the same thing. One mind, one mouth, glorifying God, right? One heart and one way. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from, him, from them. You know, no variableness, right? Neither shadow of turning. I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. Brother JT, why haven't we departed from following the Lord? Well, let us. When you think about the disciples, there they were. And the Lord said some hard things that day, and there were people that went away and walked with Him no more. And the Lord turns to them and says, will you also go away? And the disciples said, where can we go? They had this one heart, right? Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We can't go anywhere. Where else are we going to go? So, this God grants. This oneness God grants. And God granting these things, therefore, we ask of Him that He would grant them, that He would give them. Why do we want them? Why why are we after these things? Why do we desire these things? Well, what does our text say? That we with one mind and one mouth may glorify God, right? And if we're going to ask for these things to be given by God who grants them so that we may glorify Him, and He said He would give them. I mean, do you think, you know, the Lord's not going to answer that prayer? Did the Lord not pray for it Himself? you think God's not going to answer that prayer? Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's hope, right? The kind of hope that we were talking about is not hope that, well, maybe to be so. No, this is... This is guaranteed. I'm waiting for it. This is assured. It's mine. It it's not here. Sir? It has substance. Yes, it has substance. So yeah. You can handle. Can handle. And and that, that takes us back to Hebrews, doesn't it? Right. And a definition of faith. Right. Anybody? Faith is the substance. Yeah, that's what Brother J.T. is talking about. Yeah. Things hoped for. Yeah. Things that as of yet may not be visible may not be seen he read this morning to us about though you have not seen him you what love him how many people you love that you've never seen before how many people that you love that you didn't know anything of before but he shed this love abroad in our hearts didn't he why do we love him he granted it didn't he he gave it he gave that love he shed it abroad in our hearts. And so, thinking about Paul from the perspective in these verses, and we're saying that what Paul's doing here and these things that he's telling us, he's actually praying these things for us. And I said to you that there are other places in Scripture where Paul does this. Well, one of those places is Ephesians 3, verse 14, where what I said to you before, about Paul bowing the knee, says, For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God grants. Right? God grants, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would, what? He would what? Grant you. He's a God that grants, right? That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, which there is no end of. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just vast. It's unmeasurable, right? That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. We have need of that. You need to be strengthened by His might in your inner man? I think so. I think so. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. got a need for that? Yeah, Brother J.T. was kind of talking about this morning, wasn't he? I mean, there, there's times that's... There's no shadow of turning or variableness in Him, but there is in us Sometimes. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, right? Where does that light come from? To even think about having hope in God. God grants it. Here we are in this, in this seeming darkness, you know, this thing's overshadowing us. The, our prayers, are they, they, they go up and they just fall back down. It seems that the heavens are as brass, right? Where's that ray of hope come from? Where's that restoration come from? You know, it's, it comes from the Lord. You know, we're surprised by this light that all of a sudden shines in the midst of, uh, of our trouble and our sorrow. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, or with all saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. That you might be filled with, with all the fullness of God. I mean, there's a whole laundry list of things, isn't there, here that we, we could use. Now unto him that is able, not only does he grant, but he's able, he's able to grant. To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, I <clears throat> take you back to this book again. And, and I, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I need to apologize because I don't know what's happening, be honest with you. I mean, I used to, I would prepare the same way I'm preparing now, but I would preach just about 45 minutes, and that was it. But here lately, I've been preaching, you know, an hour. And, and sometimes I feel like that's too long. Um, and last week, they told me, they said, you, you preach for an hour and 15 minutes. And I thought, ah. Oh. You know, I remember my Uncle Jack Rich, who used to stand right here saying, when I, I told you about that before when I was ordering tapes. I said, I need to go with the 45-minute tapes. You know, Forty-five minute message on one side or on the other. Get the thirty-minute tapes. You know, he said, "Get the thirty-minute tapes." If I can't say what I've got to say in thirty minutes, it doesn't need to be said. Those kind of things weigh on me, okay, as I think about these matters. But um, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So here's Brother Andrew. He's just he's just left a two-year seminary he didn't know he was ever going to go to, the Lord sent him to. But he just left this two-year seminary, and, he's, and he's, or finishing it two year seminary, and they're sending five of them out at a time into a country without anything but a one-pound banknote. And they're responsible to go and evangelize in this tour through Scotland, I think it was. And some of the rules were, wherever you go and preach and you have a meeting like this, you can't ask for money. You can't pass the plate, you can't pass a hat. You know, you can't mention that you need money. You, 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 you've got to walk by faith and not by sight. And so here they were. They had this one-pound banknote. They're, they're going through, and, and uh, one, of the, one of their group, during a time when they're, they're preaching with these younger kids, and they wanted to see if they could get them to come back, That I think it was the next day or another time. Maybe it was the next week. I'm not sure. And they were talking about how we're going to do this amongst themselves. Well, one of them blurted out something about having, um, you know, if they'll come, they'll have, they'll have a tea. Well, you know, and, and as far as British are concerned, you have tea. There's not tea without cake. You know, it's not just tea. Well, they didn't have tea. They didn't have cups. They didn't have cake, you know. And um, some of the kids started coming afterwards saying, is there anything that we can do? And um, they were just like, can't say anything. And somebody said, "Well, you know, I'll I'll bring cups. Oh, that would be good, sister. You know, they didn't ask for the cups. She said she'd bring them. You bring cups. Well, I'll I'll bring tea. You know, okay. Well, that's fine. You bring the tea. Well, everything was like arranged and, and was going to be supplied for except one thing: the cake. Where are we going to get a cake? We don't have any money for a cake." We don't have a sister Delina to bake us a cake and offer to bake a cake. you know. And so they just day after day, the day is approaching and they're like, Lord, we don't know what to do. And so um, they start praying and they pray every conceivable way that they think the Lord could supply the reason why I'm telling this, right? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, right? Well, during his, his earlier years, he had come across this family that he lived with for a while, bef- right before he was coming into seminary. And um, this would have had to have been sent days before. <clears throat> Maybe even before they knew they had a need, because I can't remember exactly the time frame when the meeting was going to be. But it was down to the end, down to the wire. There was no cake. Lord, what are we going to do? A knock comes to the door. There's the postman has a package. And some dear sister, far away, had baked a cake and had sent the cake to them. And so the Lord... And, and it's such a small thing, right? I mean, isn't that... I mean, could they have had tea without cake? Well, properly, as the British are proper, no. But they, they could have met. But, you know, they would have felt like, you know, that they didn't supply as a host... They weren't being hospitable, you know, if they had not had the cake. The Lord saw that need and supplied in a way they hadn't even thought of. They didn't pray that Sister So-and-So back in wherever it was, you know, would bake a cake and send it and it be able to get there on time. Imagine that. And undamaged, you know, also. um, I don't know how packages were cared for back then. You see some of them nowadays. They just throw them, you know. You see, everybody's got cameras in their front you know, door, and so you see how the UPS and everybody treats packages. But the cake was perfect, and it was still moist, you know, and the Lord supplied that need. Does the Lord care about such things like that? I mean, here they were trying to, 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 to speak the gospel to the young people. Um, God grants, doesn't he? God's willing to grant. God's able to grant. God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Makes me think about Solomon. And I don't have to go there, but you remember when the Lord said to Solomon, ask what you will. Mm -hmm. Solomon said, Lord, there's this great people. I don't know how to lead them. I I have need of wisdom. Wisdom. And the Lord granted it. And then you think about James over there saying, if anybody likes wisdom, let him ask. Um, But he said, give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord is the next verse. So that's why I read this. God's willing to grant And he's called us to be one. If we ask for these things, whether it be patience or hope or faith or whatever it may be, does not such speech please the Lord? You know, that's that's the thought there. Does not such speech as that please the Lord? He's the God of all grace, the God of all peace, the God of all comfort, the God of all hope, the God of all patience. Um, if we're going to be comforted. I mean, how many people do we notice they've lost a loved one? Have you not prayed before? Lord, you're the God of all comfort. Comfort these who are, who are your people here for, 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 for one. Um, that, that, you know, we, we sorrow... And that they would sorrow, but not sorrow as those who don't, don't have any hope. Where does hope come from? Hope comes from God. God grants hope. God, would you grant them that consolation? Would you grant them that hope that your word declares? How about those that are lost? God, would you grant that they would have such a hope? That they would see the Christians around them, yes, in sorrow, but not sorrowing as those who have no hope, you know. The psalmist declares in Psalm one nineteen forty one, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. Remember the Lord said, The reproaches of them who reproached thee fell upon me. Let thy mercies come also unto me. What I see, Brother Bruce has, he has more hope, he has more faith, he has more love, whatever it may be. Lord, would you grant that that mercy would come also unto me? That I would have that same sort of love? That I would show that same sort of faith? So I told you I was going to take you back that wasn't about the cake. But um, Brother Andrew, foreign land, goes into countries. He doesn't speak their language hoping to find someone who does speak a language that he does know, which I think was Dutch and German and and, um, English. He he learned English. But um, here he is in Romania. He doesn't speak Romanian. Um, So here he is in Romanian, doesn't speak Romanian. A Dutchman smuggling Bibles behind the Iron Curtain in constant danger of being found out. Much of the time, he didn't know if he was speaking to someone who was going to confiscate, confiscate his cargo and confine his person. You know, didn't know if that might happen. He'd be incarcerated, you know, even. But he was looking for a contact to deliver. He had all these Bibles, these Romanian Bibles. He had all these Bibles. He's looking for somebody he can give them to. You know, he just comes into this country full of, a car full of Bibles stuffed into every conceivable nook and cranny and luggage and everything. And he's looking for some of God's children somewhere that he can give these to smuggling them in because he knows they don't have them. And he finds himself in a room with a man with a Bible on the corner of his desk. Is this a trophy? Did he kill some Christians? And, you know, I have no idea, you know, what this thing's there for. Um, but here's this man praying, Lord, uh, I want to give, give your bread to I want to give you your bread. You're the bread of life. I want to give your bread to your children, you know. And so he sees the Bible on the corner. So he opens his own Bible to a passage in 1 Corinthians 16.20 and uses that to break the barrier of communication. So let me just ask you, how well would you be able to communicate with someone in, in another language through verses of Scripture in the Bible? Can you imagine doing that? Trying to communicate with people through verses of Scripture in the Bible? So he, he, he turns to 1 Corinthians 16.20 and puts the Bible over towards him. The man sees the passage, picks up his Bible, opens it up to that place, and he begins to read in his own native tongue what this brother's trying to say. 1 Corinthians 16.20 says this, All the brethren greet you. I mean, that's why he's come. He, he's, he's come to greet the brethren there in that foreign land. All the brethren greet you greet you, and greet you one another with a holy kiss. So the man reads that and he, a smile comes across his face. And thankfully it wasn't stern anger and, and, and fierce words in a foreign tongue that you couldn't understand, but you knew you were in trouble. Um, so the other responded in, in light of, of this he takes and opens to Proverbs 25.25 25 because he begins to understand through the exchange of these passages that are going forth back and forth that he has these Bibles that he's trying to bring in the country. And so the man understanding this turns to Proverbs 25.25 20, 25 and puts his finger on it. Well, Brother Andrew is able to open his Bible and read Proverbs 25.25 25 that says, "...as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country." You know, isn't it amazing that they're communicating through these verses of Scripture? And finally, they get down to the end of the conversation, which lasted 30 minutes, back and forth with passages of Scripture. Philemon 1:4, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus. He read those, or pointed to those two verses of Scripture, and the other man ran his finger down to the seventh verse, which says this. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So, just a, remarkable, isn't that they have this conversation with verses of Scripture. Uh, how does something like that even happen? The Lord was in that, doubtless, right? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, right? Why would one man like this be so concerned with others and other places as to hazard his very life to bring Bibles into a foreign country where he could be incarcerated. And in the beginning, it was just him. In the end, he had a wife and children, and he was still doing these things. Um, It's the Lord saying that they may be one, even as we are one. Uh, He was willing to hazard his very life, you know, for the cause of Christ. So He strengthened the churches in places where there was little light, and the people in those places were encouraged to know that there were other Christians that cared for them, were concerned for them. They were sending gifts, you know, unto them, the Word of God, you know, unto them even. Um, And we we see the same sort of thing here in Romans 15. If you're still in Romans 15, you can look there in verse number 25. Uh, Romans 15, 25 says this, "'But now I go unto Jerusalem,' Paul speaking, "'to minister unto the saints,' For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. So you have this idea of the same sort of thing happening with these Bibles going in. Here's a gift that's being sent by those in Macedonia and those in Achaia to the saints in Jerusalem. You know. Well, there are heights that we've not scaled and depths that we've not reached when it comes to this thought of we're talking about being one, talking about God being God of hope, God of peace, God of love, God of patience, God of consolation, and these things God grants wisdom um, and and us asking for these things, seeking these things, that these things may be true of us. How about this one? I'll leave you with this one. The Lord said in John thirteen thirty four, "A new commandment I give unto you. How are we going to fulfill this commandment? Lord, grant that it may be so among us, that ye love one another." That's one thing. I I, I can I can look at everybody in this room, Brother Jerry, and like, say, "I love you, I 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 love you, all over all, everybody, I love you, every one of you, pray for you, I love you." Right? I can say that, but what does the verse say? That you love one another as I, the Lord says, as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. That's big. How am I going to do that? I mean, I love this woman. I love my children. I love all of you, you know, but but how am I going to love you as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Uh, that's love that's beyond me. Mm-hmm. May the Lord grant that it be even so among us, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know. There's something tied to this, isn't there? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By your love, one for another. So, one to another, yeah. Yeah, goes both ways, doesn't it? Not a one-way street? I'm responsible for my direction <laughs> I'm responsible for my direction um but uh but yeah, love to another yeah. well amen well let's let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. any thoughts one well, that was our Word. The grace of the Lord left after the, the uh, miracles was taken away. He said now, Paul said, now remain in faith, hope, and charity. These yes, but the greatest of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it remains. Yeah. Why does it remain? Why does it continue? I mean, how many hundreds of years are we from that time? You know, yeah. Amen. I think your I think your brother often ends his letters with that verse of scripture, at least the ones to me. He has. I don't know if you've seen those before, but but uh, he usually quotes that at the end of his letters. Yeah. All right. Any others? Boy, I must have done a good job. There's no questions. No, I don't think that. Uh, if anything, I think I did a poor job, Brother Jerry. Yeah. And depend greatly upon the Lord to do anything with what we've had to say. Even if I was a great or- orator, you know, which I'm not. Um, but dependent upon the Lord to do anything with with the crumbs that I've laid out before you. You know, the Lord can take and, and make that much more than crumbs, right? Um, but that woman, she just wanted the crumbs that fell from the master's table, didn't she? Yeah. When he created everything from nothing. So yeah. He can, use <laughs> he can use crumbs. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, glad you're able to be here. Good to see your faces. Yeah. It's encouraging. You think about that brother going to those places and what an encouragement it was to them to see him. They didn't even know him, you know. But it's an encouragement, isn't it? It is to me to see you. Brother Donnie's continued another week walking with the Lord. <laughs> he's, still, he's still walking after the Lord and serving him. Yeah. I know why he hadn't given up. Because of the Lord, it's an encouragement to one another, though, isn't it? See one another, sing praises unto the Lord with one another, pray with one another, fellowship with one another. It's an encouragement. We got a whole another week to go through. I don't know what's going to happen this week. Sister Linda probably didn't think she's going to be sick, you know, or not as sick as she was. You know what? What's waiting for us? Whatever it is, God's going to work it together for good. Yeah. we don't need to be afraid the Lord's already there I don't know how many times I've told my kids that before when things were looming you know, I'm like before we ever found out there was a problem God was already there and when we get to this thing on whatever date that thing is the Lord's already there you know, nothing catches them by surprise we get caught off guard don't we the Lord's already there He's already got a purpose in it. He's already working it together for our good. All right. Well, let's let's pray.